Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Nice day. Kind of, is it warming up outside a little bit? Yeah. No? No? It looks like it looks nice. Uh, I came in early this morning. I don't know how it was for you. We, we um, our family, because Leanna was singing today, we had to get up at, at Odark 30, um, which went really wonderful. Um, teenagers love to get up while it's still dark outside, and you know, then you gotta get the baby around. So it was perfect, perfect morning uh, for our family. You all look much better than I feel right now, so I'll just put it that way. But um, anyway, it was, it was good though in the first service, you know, to be together and just to, to be able to share. And you know, I, I trust that um, all the people there were were blessed. But I just want to say a, a big welcome to you, to those watching online. Thanks for joining us. Um, and you know, today is. Uh, we're going to be continuing, we're about to ready to wrap down. Next week will be our last week in this Upside Down uh, Beatitude series we've been in. Uh, so it's going to be a good day. And uh, I just wanted to touch briefly as well on what Pastor Tony said about Wednesday night. I, I do hope you can come out if you have a chance. Um, as I said, my, my friend who's a licensed counselor, um, as well as uh, he has his MDiv from Trinity, so he was uh, pastoral work as well. So you get the both to combined. And he's going to be speaking about just some of the effects of some of the isolation many of us have experienced over our, our, the COVID uh, period and just things like that um, from a Christian standpoint. And uh, those who were here this past Wednesday, I hope you enjoyed it as well. It's just a, it's a neat time to gather together. We have roundtables and kind of group discussions, and I think it was uh, real uh, helpful. So I hope you'll come out if you can make it. And if you can make it for dinner at 6, we'd love to have you there as well. Um, so today we get to, uh, to talk about persecution. Exactly. Right? Um, it's not really probably the first thing you reach for when you go to the self-help section at, you know, the bookstore or online at Amazon. But, you know, it is here and it's, it's in Scripture. And it is something, and it's something a bit of a challenge as well for us because it's not just persecution. It says, blessed are the persecuted. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of takes a minute for your brain to wrap that up and, and process it. But, um, but there is something to glean from here. Um, you know, there is something that comes with our faith in Christ Jesus. If it is an authentic faith and we are walking it out as we should, there is something that comes with it, and persecution is, is, is one of those things that can come. Um, you know, as, as many of you know, my family and I were in the Middle East for a good season, and uh, I, I was just always so taken by uh, some of the people that we got to meet over there. Um, there are a number of people uh, that were uh, part of our church and part of our life who literally, you know, were there to, to reach the lost with the gospel. Uh, they would come in, they would bring their whole families in, they would come in as teachers sometimes, sometimes as students in college. Uh, they would come in for that purpose, you know, to, to reach the lost. And one of those uh, in particular that I, I, I knew and had the privilege of knowing, um, he was just such a brother in Christ. And to hear some of the stories, he was a, a music professor at a university there. And uh, what he would do is during his, they would study different, you know, eras of music. And one of the things he would do is, was bring in Handel's Messiah as one of the subjects, right? And so as in that time, he would, he would usually kind of bring the gospel message in because you have to, those songs in Handel's Messiah, if you've ever listened to it, are, it's the gospel message. And so he would present that, and oftentimes there would be questions in and after class as well, um, and he would have these opportunities to minister to students. And from that, though, uh, not every interaction was great and response was great, and so he found himself in trouble numerous times with the university. They would try to say, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that. And he would always be sort of pushing that envelope. 
And mind you, you know, his wife, his kids are all there. They've been there for a very long time. He learned Arabic, learned the language, and he was, I mean, deep interacting with, with people. And he would just continue. Why? Because that's what he knew he was called there to do. And, you know, the persecution that he would face and even the, the thought of being jailed or, or you know, deported, um, it, was, it didn't stop him from doing because what he needed to do because he knew God was calling him to that place. And so just to see that level of commitment uh, was really challenging in a good way for me. And, you know, it really kind of brought to life this idea of, you know, blessed are the persecuted. Um, I want to begin today in Matthew chapter 4. And just a couple of verses as we walk into our, our main text that we've been looking at in Matthew chapter 5. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, you know, that phrase, the kingdom of heaven being at hand, you know, here was Jesus, here was God in, in the flesh, standing before the people, and he's proclaiming this to them, saying, you know, heaven is here. Yeah, that's why, you know, it says that God is God with us. You know, Emmanuel, you know, God is, has, has come to earth. Heaven has come to earth and is standing. And so he's, you know, he's prefacing it with this repentance. Why? Because heaven has arrived. I'm here. I've come. I'm standing in front of you. And a little further down in that same chapter in verse 23, and it says, and, and he went throughout all of Galilee. This is talking about Jesus still, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so we see again, Jesus was walking this out. Jesus was living, he was the living gospel and he was proclaiming this throughout all the region, even in the synagogues. And this is you know, ultimately one of the things that would lead him to being arrested was because he was saying, heaven is here, God is here, I'm here. And he was proclaiming that good news to everybody he came across. And so, you know, it leads us now to this, this part, and I want you to catch that phrase about the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven being at hand. And so, you know, when Jesus is teaching the Beatitudes then, those, the things that we've been going through here these past weeks, um, it is from the standpoint that, that most people in his crowd, okay, had, you know, listened and heard this message that he had been proclaiming and were now following him. And so the majority of the people were, Disciples, They were followers of Christ. And, you know, Jesus, you know, he was and is the living gospel message in the flesh. He was here. So the kingdom of heaven had arrived in, his, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so now Jesus presents in these beatitudes, he's presenting really what the fruit should be of, of, of what a response looks like to himself. You know, I know we hear about the fruit of the Spirit, and, and that's, those are definite, you know, uh, markers as well. But the Beatitudes really are things that we're supposed to be living out, right? That's what we've been talking about. And if, if you're like me, I've definitely been convicted, you know, as you go through kind of this list, and it's been quite the list and a challenging list, but there are some places like, wow, Lord, I, <laughs> I've definitely not arrived, right? And some of us here maybe need to be reminded of that at times, if you're like me. You know, we've not arrived, have we? And if you're married, a spouse will be happy to point that out as well. That, that, you know, hey, no, there's still some work to be done, and that's okay, and we're working towards that. So, you know, we have, again, these, these beatitudes, and that's what we've been studying and why we've been studying. Now, um, today I'm going to read from another translation of the Bible. And, you know, we've, i kind of been the last few weeks switching it up because when we, you keep coming to the same thing, you're like, okay, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. So it's, it's always good to kind of look at some different translations because it just some switching, you know, some shifting of words and things just kind of 
can open our perspective a little more and see it from a different angle. Um, very quick lesson. Today we're going to uh, be reading, I'm going to read from the Message Bible. But the Message is a very, um, it's a paraphrased translation. Uh, in Bible translations, just a quick little class here. Um, some translations are very uh, word for word. They're called literal translations on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have like a, a, a paraphrased translation, all right? And so literal is where they take word for word, every single thing, and they literally translate that, that word. Paraphrase, they take more of like a group or like a group of words or a few sentences or an idea, and it kind of translates that way. So the message is very paraphrased, okay? So I want to preface that. If you're doing some deep Bible study, you would not use the message Bible. <laughs> you want to go more to the other literal word for word. That's where you're going to do real deep Bible study. But the message is always nice. It helps me at times especially in these situations where you're dealing with scripture that's very familiar because it just kind of comes at it from a different angle. Sometimes it'll just, again, give a freshness to it and uh, maybe something will, a light bulb will go on along the way. So we're going to read from that today um, as we approach and I hope you'll, you'll hear and, and listen and, and, and be blessed. So uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and again, we've hit this many, many weeks, right? Some of y'all like, yeah, we, we know it. Thank you. But, but listen to how this this kind of just changes it a little bit or, or kind of gives it a fresh perspective, not changes it, but just listen. All right, verse one. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him and committed climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart pure or put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. And our verse today, you're blessed when you commit, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Reads a little different, doesn't it? Puts it in a very real kind of tangible place, doesn't it? And that's what I love and that's what I would encourage you, you know, as, as you read scripture, when you're kind of stuck, you know, even when I prepare sermons, I'm, I'm looking at a few different translations just because I'm trying to pull out every ounce of what's there. And even then, you know, we fall short, but, you know, it's really helpful. 
But, you know, again, notice that it says that when your commitment to God, you're blessed when your commitment to God does what? It provokes persecution. Let that settle for a second in your heart here. You know, that again, when we're committed to God and we're doing the right thing, it will provoke persecution. The way the, the ESV reads, which I usually preach from, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, a question, you know, I would say and I would pose here today as we prepare our hearts, and I'm going to pray here in a moment, is, is so what if, what, what about when there's not persecution? What if we're not experiencing persecution? What does that say about our walk or how we're living our life? Is it, are we living our life in such a way that it's visible? Are we speaking and sharing the good news in such a way that, that it's, it's bringing it? Is it provoking persecution? And, and maybe you have, and maybe you've, you've experienced that persecution. And if you have, you know, like you said, it's, you're blessed, right? You're in good company. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this place today. I thank you for those watching online. God, I thank you just that, uh, again, we have this, this, these next few moments, Lord, to look at your word. God, I believe you have a message uh, for us today, for every person in this place within the sound of my voice. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would truly speak to our hearts. Let it not be me, let it, but let it be you by your spirit, Lord, speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there really is something, again, about living uh, in the light for all to see, right? We're, we're oftentimes compared to, you know, being a light in the darkness, right? Where it's said that we're supposed to be salt to the earth and be light to the darkness. And there's a reason, you know, that we're referred to as that. I remember um, at one point, and actually Leanna was pregnant with Joshua, and when we were in Kuwait, Joshua was our nine-year-old, and uh, she, she had gotten sick, some ch chest thing, and she had a, a collapsed lung. So she's, Joshua was due in a month. So she's eight months pregnant with a collapsed lung. And for those ladies who have carried a child and given birth, you know that that's, that's a really bad place to be. And we were very concerned for her, but also for, for Josh, you know, um, this, uh, that situation. And it, we had to go, we went to this hospital in Kuwait, and the, the hospitals there, not all of them are very westernized. Uh, it's very different, um, very, 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 very different. And so it was kind of a weird moment, and she was taken into the emergency room. And I'm in the, in the waiting room, and, you know, most of the people, it's, it's kind of full, a lot of people there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, we're in a Muslim country, so most of the people around me are, are Muslims. And no idea what's going on, and I definitely was a different, you know, person in that place <laughs> um, and stood out. And I just remember standing there and just feeling kind of just overwhelmed, you know, and feeling alone. And I'd reached out to our pastor at the time. And, uh, you know, I was standing there and, and suddenly he came through the doors and he was a very large guy. He was a big, tall guy, you know, just kind of had this presence about him, if you will. And he walked in, you know, I see it, you know, he's easy. He stood out because he was so tall and he found me. He comes over to me, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, shaken. I'm just like, you know, there's just so much, you know, I'm trying to make sure Isaac and Noah are being taken care of back home. And I've got Leanna and then, of course, Joshua, you know, being in her womb still. And um, I just was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And, um, and he walks in and, and, and in the middle of this waiting room, I mean, there's literally probably, you know, 50 people, 60 people like kind of around us right in the proximity. He just puts his like big arm around me and kind of pulls me in. And he's like, let's pray. 
And he just bows his head and he just starts praying. And it wasn't like, you know, dear Lord, just thank you for, you know. It was like, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We ask you, you know, he's just, I mean, the whole place can hear, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, pretty soon here, my wife's going to be in the emergency room. I'm going to be in the jail or something because we're shaking it down like this, uh, Paul and Silas style. But, um, you know, it's like, but, but in the, after a minute, and he starts praying, and it's just like, you just sense God's presence, you know? You sense God just in that moment, in that scene, in that waiting room where there was just darkness kind of all around, all of a sudden there was light. And, you know, again, he didn't care <laughs> what people thought. All he cared about was that he was being obedient to God and that he, was, he saw a brother in need and we, he was lifting up and, and, and praying on, on our behalf, if you will. And so it just really struck me. It stood by me and stuck with me till this day you know, that moment, and I, I felt like that was such a snapshot of how we're supposed to be. And how many times, you know, have I, sh have I shirked back, you know, have I pulled back, even in America where it's, it's kind of okay to be a Christian most of the time, right? But yet I still kind of, I can, I can lean back a little. And so, you know, as we look at, at these Beatitudes, and we've been looking at, you know, all these Beatitudes around number eight, and and, in, and a lot of would say that this is kind of the last one. Uh, we're going to do one more. We're gonna, the last bit of this, this section we'll do next week and kind of wrap everything together. But um, as we, you know, we go through, and, and we've been going through these Beatitudes, um, we see what, what we would call these qualities of, of a Christian, right? A qualities of a Christian being meek and peacemakers and things like that. We see these qualities... And then each of which is accompanied by a blessing or privilege that comes as a result, right? And so, you know, as we, we look at this, I want to look briefly at, uh, again, the last part of these verses, you know, these, these blessings or privileges that come. And then, you know, what, what's going to happen is we're going to see as we look at verses 3 and 10, we're in verse 10 today, but in verse 3 and 10, the, 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 what comes at the end or what comes as a result are, are, very, are the same, really. They're kind of almost like bookends of these Beatitudes. Because verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now here in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And so we have kind of these, these bookends, and we've talked about what that is, the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus was proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is it saying? The kingdom of heaven is here. And these two verses here, it's, it's reminding us and it's showing us that if we are Christians, if we are to have or possess the, the good news of the gospel, if we have Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, then, then these things are part of that, right? These beatitudes, and so as we live out these Beatitudes, ultimately, it starts with the kingdom of heaven and it ends with the kingdom of heaven and it, it becomes ours. It's our faith. You see, the beauty of, of when we accept Jesus Christ is that, and that was the whole purpose of the veil being rent in two, is that he comes to dwell and live in us by his Holy Spirit, right? Jesus is with you. He is with me if, if I have made that profession of faith. And that's the beauty of this, is that we have Jesus the kingdom of heaven is ours. The question is, is, are we living that way? Do we always walk our, out these challenges or these trials in life with, with that kind of uh, understanding? And so let's look at this word for a minute, this word persecuted. 
The definition of persecuted is simply to, to be or become subject to systematic harassment and attacks due to one's religious beliefs. To be or become subject to systematic harassment and attacks due to one's religious beliefs. Now, again, you know, I don't know how things were for you in school, and, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of times, you know, kids are they're picked on for different things, right? One eye can be bigger than the other. Your feet are too big. You're too tall. You're too short. Whatever it is, and, you know, that's not really persecution. That's bullying, that, right? That's, that's maybe suffering, you know, because of something. But persecution has this um, religious belief connected to it, all right? And persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems. And so when, we, when we're walking out our life in such a way as a Christian, and we begin to kind of get that pushback, right? We begin to hit those bumpy roads. We, we come across somebody that maybe doesn't see it the same way, and they want to kind of start lighting into us and make fun of us and, you know, whatever it is. That's, that's what persecution is. But notice that not all who are persecuted... All right, are being so or are being so because of righteousness sake or as a result of their commitment to Christ. You know, not all persecution or I should say not all suffering is persecution. You understand? For right now on most of our minds is what we see happening in, in, in Ukraine, right? And we see what Russia is doing and just the, the suffering and the agony and everything going on there. And right now the people of, of Ukraine, they're, they're, they're suffering and in some cases dying simply for what? Really for just being a citizen of Ukraine, right? For just belonging to that country. Now again, many are you know, standing up, they're choosing to fight because they want to defend their country, um, but, but it's ultimately because they have aligned themselves, they have chosen that, or they've been born there and that's their home, Right? And so they're simply trying to protect that, but you could say that it's just simply because they're a citizen of that country. One could say they're enduring the consequences of belonging to the Ukraine. And I say that not in a, in a negative light or anything, because they're, again, Russia is the one that's on the offensive. Russia has, has, has motives here that's pushed them into there. But just like if somebody you know, attacked our country or if somebody comes into your home, you're going to stand up against them, right? Because that's your home. You are a citizen. You are a resident of your home. And, you know, as, again, we look at this in verse 10 here, what we're talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's speaking about not just suffering, but it's about being persecuted. Persecuted for what? For the sake of righteousness. For standing for your belief in Christ Jesus. So not all suffering is persecution. Right? We have become Christ followers. When we, again, accept Christ into our lives, we become followers of Jesus Christ. And another way to say that is that we become citizens of God's kingdom. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So, again, here in this room, most people probably, if not all, but most in this room are probably are citizens of this country, right? Citizens, American citizens, but when you, again, give your life to Christ and you step into that relationship, you become a citizen of heaven, right? Our citizenship is not of this earth any longer, let alone this country. It is a, it is a citizenship in heaven. We belong to the family of God. And I want to talk for a moment here, um, you know, again, that because of this, that we become citizens of heaven, that, you know, as we look at this, 
uh, I want to I look at not just our citizenship of heaven, but how we as Americans maybe kind of process uh, some things here in this verse and, and what we're looking at here in Matthew 5.10. You see, in America today, we really have in a matter of a few generations moved from a post-Christian society to a pre-Christian society. Did you catch that? Like, post-Christian would be a blessing right now. <laughs> we have moved so far to the left or to the wherever that we are so far removed now that, that we are a pre-Christian, that, that Christianity no longer is kind of the all that you see anymore or where we operate from. You know, back, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 years old, and I remember back even when I was in grade school, you know, most of my friends went to church. Now, I, don't, I, would, say, I would say most of them probably were not Christians. You know, they, they were just kind of going because their parents made them, and they, they grew up doing these things. But, but they were going to church, you know, and you could have a conversation from a standpoint where there was an understanding that they knew the Bible or parts of it. They knew, you know, you could have that. You can't do that anymore. Our, our, our society has moved at such a, a, a rapid rate, and, you know, we could go and deep dive into all this stuff, you know, probably back in the 60s or so, things began to sort of shift a little bit, and it's just been kind of incrementally, every generation has been moving further and further to now, again, we are no longer in the post-Christian, we are in a pre-Christian society. I want to spend uh, the majority of the rest of our time here talking about, I want to talk to you about two terms today. And I really hope you're going to catch this. I really hope you're going to listen closely. Um, there are two terms that we need to understand clearly. And I believe that there is a mis misunderstanding or misconception about um, kind of what we see happening or what we see in, in a lot of people maybe who, who say that they're Christian. All right, there's a, there's, there's, on one side there's Christianity, which a lot of us I think would say we know and understand, and probably do to an extent. But there's another term out there, and that term is called Christendom. Christendom, okay? And that might be a new term for you. Maybe you've not heard that, or maybe you've heard it but don't really understand. But today, I think it's vital and important as we're looking at what this, this is, this idea of, of, of suffering or being persecuted, I should say, and, and as we approach this, because I think this will help us. So this, this term, this word Christendom, all right, it's, it's, it's a group of people or nations under a Christian set of morals and values. So our, our founding fathers, you know, when America was founded, they founded, you know, many of them were Christians, right? And so they intertwined within our moral fabric and even in a lot of our government and laws that it was from a standpoint of, of, of a Christian faith, right? And we see it kind of, you know, spread throughout, you know, throughout our laws and different things, the way we operate as a society. I want to read for you a, a quote from a book called The Call to Resurgence, Will Christianity Have a Funeral or a Future? And I want you to catch and, and just see what, this says, and, and it's really, I found it pretty intriguing. It says, what has changed since the days of Washington and Eisenhower is that Christendom is no longer the legitimizing center of American civil religion. Instead, our nation has created its own religion that appropriates many of the symbols and narratives of Christendom, but without the substance of Christianity. Think of American civil religion in biblical terms. America is Israel. 
The revolution is our exodus. The Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, Constitution compose our canon of sacred scripture. Abraham Lincoln is our Moses. Independence Day is our Easter. Our national enemies are Satan. Benedict Arnold is our Judas. The Founding Fathers are our Apostles. Taxes are our tithes. Patriotic songs are our hymnal. The Pledge of Allegiance is our sinner's prayer. And the President is our preacher, which is why throughout the history of the office, our leaders have referred to God without any definition or clarification, allowing people to privately import their own understanding of a higher power. Due to the ongoing existence of American civil religion, Many evangelicals are oblivious to the fact that Christendom is dead and real Christianity is in serious decline. Now, when you think about that and you think about when our country was founded, you know, our founding fathers founded this country in what? An escape of religious persecution, right? They wanted a place that would give freedom to be able to practice their faith. And in some sense, in some ways, they really were trying to create almost a new Eden, if you will. They were trying to create a place free from, you know, the world's, you know, persecution and, and what was they were experiencing. And, and understandably, you know, what they had gone through and what they had gone through just to even get here. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, uh, a thing, a wonderful picture. But it was kind of like the great experiment, wasn't it? It was a great experiment that let's try to found this nation based on and have these Christian principles and morals built in, you know, so that nobody can, can stray, if you will. Now look at the schools today. What would happen if, if a student tried to stand up in a class and tried to lead the class in prayer? tried to open their scripture, their Bible, and, and share a verse that, you know, had spoken to them during the week. But now we can, we can speak of all kinds of things, right? We can, at the at a youngest age, we can teach children about sex, who or what they are and what they feel, and, you know, but don't mention Jesus. Don't mention the Bible. Don't mention any scriptures, But yet, isn't that what our founding fathers built this country on? <laughs> and the very thing, the very freedoms that they built this country on now are the freedoms that have been stripped away from us. We are now persecuted in the very place that was built so that we wouldn't have persecution. Do you understand that? How it's come full circle? It's crazy, right? It's crazy, and yet we see it. We see it happening right before our eyes. And, you know, this book that I, I quoted from, it was written um, a decade ago, but it makes sense as we look at it from this perspective and, and how, you know, they tried to create something, and the reality is, is again, with the best intentions and why, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for what they tried to do, but they tried to do something, and they showed us, though, that, that we can't force people to be Christ followers, can we? To have relationship with Jesus. Even though we build in all the checks and balances, it still, it doesn't work. Why? Because it's, it's a man-made system, right? Even with the best intentions. 
But if we look at it again and we think about the history of, of Israel as we look in the, the Old Testament and look how their hearts grew colder and colder, right? All throughout the Old Testament, it's, it's God saying, you know, you, you, you're uncircumcised, meaning they were circumcised in the flesh, but their hearts were still far from God. They didn't want relationship with God. And again, when Moses led them, you know, out of Egypt to the mountain where God was going to meet them, they said, no, you go instead of us because we don't want to deal with the sin in our hearts. It's the same thing we're experiencing now. It comes down to the issue of the heart. You see, in Israel, they were only left with the appearance of holiness and not substance. Much like we see in the religious sect of Jesus' time, you know, again, many had the look of Christianity, but they did not have the relationship. Some Jesus' greatest uh, opposers, if you will, or who he came against the most, were re the religious people. Those who on the outside looked the part, but their hearts were far from God. Right? They were going through the actions. They had the systems that were built to look the part. But yet when Jesus, God himself in the flesh, was standing in front of them, they missed it. They couldn't see it. There's no heart, only outward actions. You know, there's a, a term out there for a group of people I don't know if you've heard this term or not. Has anybody ever heard the term creaster? A few? Here are a couple little chuckles. A creaster is a person that comes to church on Christmas and Easter every year. It's our term of endearment. Um, but if you've noticed at Christmas time and Easter time, right, you come to church and you're kind of like, where did all you people come from, right? <laughs> In my seat. <laughs> uh, you're eating all the food. So, but it, and it's hard. It's hard to plan those services because we don't know the response. But typically that time, right, Christmas and Easter, you're going to be packed out, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's striking to me because it's like, you know, there's whatever, you know, 50 other Sundays during the year. We have seats available, right? Um, it was interesting, even this year, we had uh, a, a comment come through because we, we had to adjust our uh, Christmas Eve service times a little bit. And um, a comment came through, I was wondering, saying, you know, we're going to have to miss, and if you're watching online or if you're here, I, thanks for being here. Um, but they, they said that, you know, we're going to have to miss this year. And, you know, it's really going to affect us. It's, we've been coming for 20 years the Christmas Eve service. And, you know, we responded, you know, we're, we, we were, you know, we're, we're sorry, we're sorry that, that, that messed up, you know, your family's tradition. However, you know, most Sundays out of the year, you know, we're here two times. There's two options. We're here during the week. We have life groups. We'd love to plug you in, you know. And, you know, we were trying to be, we, we were trying to just get the person to see, like, hey, <laughs> we're here all the rest of the time. Like, what's your motive for coming? And don't get me wrong, you know, you know, if you've got unsaved friends and unsaved family members, you know, you bring them here. That's, I, I'm not criticizing that, but I'm just saying people that come here twice a year and, and think like, hey, I checked, I checked my box, right? I'm good. I don't know that, you know, I, I, would, I would question that, that Christ, the Christianity, the, the genuineness of their faith. Well, Pastor Dell, it sounds like you're kind of getting a little judgy. Right? As soon as you say something like that, I was like, well, don't judge me. You can't judge me. Thou shalt not judge. Right? 
Can I tell you this, though? If I plant an apple seed and it produces a, a banana, <laughs> I can judge that something's not connected, right? And so what I'm saying is that, you know, these beatitudes we're looking at, the fruit of the Spirit, like that's what we look at. And if, if someone is not producing that in their life, we need to question and say, you know what? I'm not a gardener, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I planted the apple, but I get, I'm getting bananas. I think something's wrong. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, I, and you know, what I see, and this is something that maybe will resonate with some people in here, um, and you probably have seen this and understand this, there's something out there called borrowed faith. Borrowed faith is simply where typically maybe your, your parents or your grandparents had an authentic, real relationship with Jesus Christ. And you were around them, you walked with them, you know, you saw it played out, and it moved you in, in one sense, but you have yet to make that declaration or that commitment yourself to that relationship with Jesus Christ and ask, ask him to come into your life. You can't get into heaven on someone else's faith. You can't be found accepted on somebody else's prayer, right? You have to come to that place and you have to make that decision and accept Christ yourself. And so all of this, what I'm speaking about is, is, is this, it's, it's this, this, this term called um, Christendom. Right, Christendom, and what's dangerous about it is it has this feel and look of Christianity, but it's it's missing the essence and the heart behind it all. And so many people in America are in this kind of haze of this lie that hey, I'm I'm all right, you know, I'm showing up, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do, but you don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me contrast that term now with let me bring around what Christianity is, right? Christianity. And when I say Christianity, I want to talk specifically about what we would say evangelical. That's, that's what we are as a church. That's, that's who we are as a church. And evangelical, I'm going to kind of break down four key components that would make you an evangelical, okay? So if you didn't know you're one, maybe you're going to find out today. So the first component is the Bible, all right? The Bible. It's, it's God's true word. Did you know that, that this is true? Let me say that again. Did you know that this is true? Yeah. <laughs> All of it? Yeah. Even the hard parts? <laughs> Even lamentations, right? It's true. This is the word of God. This is, this is where we go. This is our, when we have differences within the church or we have differences in our opinions and our feelings are getting hurt, we go to scripture and there's, that's where the answer is. You know, we may not like it, it may require change on our part, but we have to conform to this. Can I say something bold? This word of God does not need to conform to anyone. But so many people want to take the word and they kind of stretch it and pull it. You know, it's like, you know, trying to put a Speedo on an elephant or something, right? They're like, just really bad image probably for many, but, you know, trying to stretch it, you know, you're pulling it up and trying to get it on, and it doesn't fit because you're trying to put something in it. Scripture is supposed to put something in us. It changes us. So the word of God, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's active. It's real. It's alive. This, this, is our, this is our foundation right here, right? The Bible. Second, the cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Hopefully that's not the first time you heard that if you've been coming here for a minute. Right? The cross, it's central, it's, 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 it's it. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Conversion, 
Individuals need to be personally converted. And I think as we go down this list, I think we start with Bible, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go to cross, and we, most are kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying in general people. And then we kind of go to conversion. Individuals need to be personally converted, and the yeahs kind of dwindle a little more, right? My parents were good people. They went to church, and I went to church. I was, I was baptized as a baby, and so what's the problem? No, there has to be a conversion, a personal relationship. And then here's the big one. Here's the last one. Activism. Belief in the gospel needs to be expressed outwardly. Uh-oh. We're supposed to live our lives. We're supposed to share the good news with people. We're supposed to live our lives out in such a way that people recognize, like, oh, my goodness, you're one of those Christ followers, aren't you? And too often I think we're, we might fall into the Peter's little world, right, where, hey, aren't you the one that was going around with Christ and you're one of, no, no, never heard of the guy, Right? I'm saying that to myself, too. I've been there. So the Bible, cross, conversion, and activism. Now, here we go. I hope you're all, okay, you're all sitting down. That's good. Listen, the percentage of Americans that can be classified as evangelical Christians based on these four criteria, when this book, where I got this information from, it was written 10 years ago, at that point, based on those four criteria, it's 8% of Christians in America. And Pastor Tony shared with me uh, this, the first service that it's actually in these past 10 years, it's more down to around 4%. Bible, cross, conversion, and activism, sharing the gospel puts you in a 4% group of people that profess to be Christians. I don't know about you, but that's staggering to me. And if I can be bold enough, I've not looked at the numbers, but if I'm bold enough, I believe that number is continuing to decrease. You see, without the gospel... Christianity doesn't exist. And that's what Jesus was proclaiming. That's what Jesus was saying. It's the message about who Jesus is. It's the kingdom of heaven is here. <laughs> and you can have it. It's obtainable because of, of, of who Jesus is and what he did. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You see, it's the gospel message. It's, it's, it's knowing Jesus. It's having relationship. It's, it's, it's standing on his word. It's believing and knowing the work of the cross. It's about having a personal relationship and so for us as a church, you know, as we, we look at this and we try to, you know, reach out to the world around us, you know, even when we do things in the community and, and help, um, you know, other uh, organizations and things like the food pantry and stuff like that, you know, we do those good things, 
But we're always looking like how we, we try to partner with people where the gospel is being presented, you know, where they're looking for those opportunities or those relationships where the good news can be shared with somebody. Because do you know why? Because good deeds can serve people, but only the good news can save them. It's great to do good things. There's nothing wrong. It's, it's fine. You, we, we should be doing good things, right? But those good deeds in of themselves are not going to save somebody. Only the gospel can save. Only the good news can save. So as we prepare to, to wrap things up here today and just kind of wind things down, let's come back to where we started in Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to share a few verses now. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's only going to get more challenging, these next two. So, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? And finally, Matthew 24, 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Some hard verses, right? Some challenging verses. But there's two common denominators in those three, three verses that I want to point out here. The first, what we've been talking about today, is, is, is persecution, right? It's not a matter of if, it's when. And if we're not experiencing persecution in our life, then we really need to look at what, what are we doing and are we doing anything? And I'll say this as well as, you know, in our circles a lot of times, even in America, a lot of times we can get away with, you know, being a Christian, like most people are like, yeah, that's cool, you know, it's good for you. And you can even invite somebody, and they may even come to church with you, and that's all right. You know, hey, I'll come sit and hopefully hear a feel-good message. Not hear about being persecuted, by the way, right? Today's <laughs> so like, whoa, if it's your first time, God bless you. I hope you come back. Um, but, you know, most people will give you that space. But it's when you start to say, maybe share something. You know, I was reading my Bible, and it said, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Only. Wait a second. Wait a minute. That's, that's not okay. Right? You went too far in that one because we have to be all inclusive, right? We have to, there's, you know, it's a free way to get to heaven. But yeah, but the scripture says the way, it's narrow, a narrow gate we have to pass through. And Jesus is the gatekeeper. Go there in a conversation, right, and see how, how well that goes. Either one of two things. Either they're going to walk away and never talk to you again, or, you know, things are going to get awkward, and they're going to bring their friends with them next time, and they're going to begin to mock you and say things and, you know, whatever. You, know, you, you, might, you might get persecuted, right? As you've seen probably in the news, there are coaches, there's lots of people out there that have been, have lost their jobs Right, have lost their livelihoods 
for, you know, praying with a team before a game on the field for not baking a cake or whatever, you know, whatever it is. They've laid it all on the line, right? So persecution is part of it. And the second part of these three verses that I share with you is Christ. <laughs> all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus for the sake of Christ. And the last one, when you're, you receive tribulation and be put to death, you'll be hated by all nations. What? For my name's sake. Whose name? Jesus Christ. You see, you can't have Jesus without having persecution. And I think that we do a disservice sometimes with people because, you know, hey, you know, just say a quick prayer and it's, it's going to be great. Life will be perfect and it's going to be awesome. And again, the music's going to come on and every day will be sunshine and no traffic. And it's just, it's amazing. But all throughout scripture, persecution and Christ, it's, it's connected, Right? The cross is supposed to be a stumbling block, right? Jesus never came really to, to make, you know, friends and everything like that. He, he, he came to get to the cross and he made enemies along the way, those that, you know, were opposed to him, right? So why do we think any different? So in conclusion, I just want to take these next few moments as we, we wrap things up, and we're going to close with a song here in just a moment, but I think it would be wrong for us not to pause here for a moment and not just examine ourselves, but, but let the Holy Spirit show us. You know, are we, are we living our lives in a way that is, if I can say, worthy of persecution? And my concern for, for us today, for you here and for those watching online and really anybody that watches this message or hears this message is, you know, this, this confusion between Christendom and Christianity. Because the reality is there's many people who have been in the church their entire life and have yet to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. And the really scary part is that they're unaware that that's the case. And I'm not talking about, again, a warm and fuzzy necessarily, you know, this, this walk, right? I mean, some of you say, well, that's just emotions. That's just, you know, that's too much. You know, I read my Bible every day. I, I go to church, you know, twice, both services on Sunday, and I attend four life groups, and I'm even coming to the Wednesday service, you know, now. Do you know that, that God's not impressed with that? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong if you're doing that, if you're doing it out of a heart because you just want to be have more of God and, and, and be in those settings where you learn and you're hearing the word of God and you're, you're building fellowship with one another. If it's coming out of the overflow of your heart, but if your heart is, is, is calloused and cold and hasn't been regenerated, then and you're just doing this outward action, and you're just like, it's just like Israel, and it's just like a lot of Americans, you know, with built in this culture where we, we have these, these, these modes of kind of Christianity, but it's, there's no heart connection to it. And my, my prayer for you today, and my hope for you today, and my question, I guess I wanna leave is, where, where are you today? Where are you at? 
Where are you at? You know, I, I stand up here and I, I, I do my best to be to true to the word of God and I, I do my best to, to bring a message. And the message of the gospel has been presented today. And I hope in most Sundays you come here, I hope you hear the gospel is usually intertwined within the sermon. And now it's your choice if you're going to walk out that door the same way you walked in. Because you've heard it. And it's not because of my wordsmithing up here. It's because of the Spirit of God. And this, this word, the Word of God is active. It's, it's alive, right? It's, it's, it's moving, and, it, and it, it cuts to the core of who you are. You can't, you can't outrun that. You can't fake that. So where are you at today? Where are you at? Have you truly recognized that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? <laughs> That's the beauty of it all. You know what, in a few minutes, we're all gonna walk out this door. We're gonna go and get our Sunday afternoon going on. We're gonna enter into our work week and things are gonna be rolling and hustling and bustling and things are gonna be happening. But understand the kingdom of heaven is, is present, is here. It's, it's at hand, it's, it's within reach, right? Why? Because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Will you make that choice today? Will you make that commitment? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person, every single being that is created, Lord, in this place today that is watching online. God, I thank you for this message, Lord. God, it's so strange to say thank you for persecution that somehow we can be blessed. But God, I believe that that is the identifier or the indicator, Lord, of the authenticity of our faith. And it doesn't mean that we just run out and, and you know, we just kind of slam ourselves against the rocks. But at the same time, Lord, when we get in those situations and those moments where we need to stand for the gospel and where we need to stand for what is right, God, I pray that we do so understanding that persecution will follow. And God, we can expect that. But God, how much greater, Lord, is your reward? How much greater is relationship with you? And how much greater is obedience, Lord God? To hear from you, well done, my good and faithful servant, on that day that we see you face to face. God, if there's anyone here today, anybody within the sound of my voice that has not made that choice, has not made that decision, Lord, to come to you and to make you Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that they would pray that prayer today, that they would truly turn their lives over to you. They would recognize, Lord, that you are the Son of God, that you came to earth, that you died for their sin on the cross, and that you rose again on the third day and are seated at the right hand of the Father. And, but God, it all starts with recognizing the fact that we are sinners and we need a Savior. God, if anyone here today is in that place, Lord, I pray that they would pray that acceptance of you into their lives. And God, recognizing, Lord, that it, while the prayer is simple, the, the road is, is hard, is challenging, but it's all worth it in the end. God, we thank you for this time that we've had to gather today. God, I thank you for, Lord, those who are walking in relationship with you. God, may they be encouraged, Lord, that, that they should be uh, counted, Lord, as blessed today. If they're going through persecution and they're going through suffering, Lord God, I pray that they, they would recognize that it's, it's no different. That, Lord, our Savior, you, Lord, went through the, the most excruciating suffering and pain on this earth. And you did it all for love, Lord. You did it for love for us so we could be reunited with our Heavenly Father, our Creator. 
So God, I thank you for each one. I thank you, Lord, that your word has spoken to our hearts. Now, God, I pray that it would uh, result in us taking action. In Jesus' name, amen.